Welcome to episode nine titled The Philadelphia Bulldogs. A look into the NFL and NBA frenzy that we've experienced over the last 24 hours. I am your host, Joseph Camperman, host of the Long John Podcast, coming at you today with a exciting, exciting episode. Again, as I've stated, this episode is one of those episodes where I could tell you all all show long how absolutely crazy of a week it's been in the sports world. But without further ado, I am going to get into it and break it down for you guys. Again, this is episode nine. I cannot believe it's been nine weeks of coming at you guys with a bunch of sports news. It's been all over the place. It's been fun. Um, introducing episode nine, the Philadelphia Bulldogs and NFL and NBA update. So let's get right into it. Um, you can find this episode right now, obviously, on YouTube and Twitter live. But if you guys want to tune in afterwards tomorrow, I will also be on Spotify and Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, sorry. And um, I uh, try to put it on as many platforms as I possibly can. Check me out on all my socials, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube at the Long John Podcast, as well as Twitter at the Long John Pod. So without further ado, I will start with topic number one, Philadelphia Eagles draft review. And um, I've got <laughs> I've got um, the Camper Report, my brother Benjamin Camperman, tuning in right now. We're going to get to his comments in just a second. Um, so with with top epic top so topic one, the first thing we. <laughs> The whole episode is surrounded around the draft, guys. If any of you guys know, I'm an avid NFL fan. And right now we have a situation here where apparently the Philadelphia Eagles only know how to draft Georgia college players. So kicking off the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles initially were supposed to be selecting at pick 10. Now, I will say this. There's 32 picks in the NFL first round of the draft. There was 31 this year because the Miami Dolphins were stripped of a first-round pick with a tampering investigation that they had um, that they had that the NFL cracked down on. So there was 31 picks in the draft. This was not the Eagles' original pick. As you guys, if any of you guys remember, the Philadelphia Eagles sent a first-round pick in exchange for A.J. Brown last year. However, they moved back in the draft. When they picked AJ Brown from the when they got AJ Brown from the Tennessee Titans, they also moved back in the draft with their second pick and get, got a first round pick so that the New Orleans Saints could move up and select Chris Olave. So, you know, obviously looking at the Saints, it worked out well for the Saints. I don't really think honestly they would have a complaint about it. Um, that was a really really good pick, and ultimately the Saints are going to have a great receiver. On the flip side, every Eagles fan was now anything but a Saints fan. Um, last year, because if the Saints lost, it means the Eagles got a better draft pick. And so with the 10th pick in the NFL draft, a lot of Eagles fans were really, really confused. Up in, it, we, No one really knew who the Eagles were going to pick. You know, some people had the Eagles going offensive linemen or defensive linemen. That was really my take. And I thought that was a take of many fans because that's typically what the Eagles go in the first, decide to pick with in the first round. Some people had the Eagles picking Bijan Robinson out of um, at the University of Texas running back. That was a little bit of an unpopular pick, but understandable if they were to go that route. Ultimately, draft time rolled around, 
A lot of things started changing in the NFL draft. Jalen Carter slipped. And all of a sudden, the Eagles found themselves at pick 10, looking at pick 9, and the arguably the best defensive player in the draft was available at pick 9 when the Chicago Bears were picking. So as an Eagles fan, when I saw this, I thought, okay, well, it, to me, it was a no-brainer. The Chicago Bears are picking Jalen Carter. They need inner def inside defensive lineman help. They can get offensive line help in the second round. There were some really good options that were actually available. Um, and I thought, you know what? This is this is a no-brainer pick for the Chicago Bears. And all of a sudden, I see that a team's made a trade. And lo and behold, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. So when I thought, oh, no, what has happened? I thought to myself, man, the Eagles must have given up a lot just to move up one spot. I mean, this guy was a great defensive player. He had some off-the-field issues. Those off-the-field issues were being debated on whether or not they were of, should be a concern for an NFL team. And ultimately, it ended up resulting in the Eagles sending a 2024 fourth-round pick to the Chicago Bears in exchange for the ninth pick. So they sent their 10th pick and a 2024 fourth-round pick in exchange for the ninth pick to select Georgia's standout defense alignment, Carter. And I was dumbfounded. When I found out that they picked Jalen Carter for a fourth-round pick they gave up next year, and they picked arguably the best defensive player, I was ecstatic. I thought, man, this draft is already getting started. Really, really good. Now, mind you guys, last year they picked N'Kobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia, and Jordan Davis, defense alignment out of Georgia. So we already had three Georgia Bulldogs. In the first two, um, in the first four rounds of the NFL draft in the last two years, we had Jordan Davis in the first round, Nicobe Dean in the third, and Jalen Carter in the first round this year. So I was like, man, we are building this, rebuilding this Georgia Bulldogs defense, except it's the Philadelphia Bulldogs now. Um, and so I was really, really excited. Now, of course, as a recap, and I'm going to get to this later on in the show as well, but as a recap, the picks went like this. You had number one, Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama, going to the Carolina Panthers. Number two. Houston Texans selected the quarterback out of Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. Number three, a huge, huge, bold move. I'll get to that in a minute here. Houston Texans selected linebacker slash edge rusher Will Anderson out of Alabama, Will Anderson Jr. Number four, you had Indianapolis Colts select quarterback Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Five, the Seattle Seahawks selected Devon Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. Six, you had the... Lions trade back to pick 12 with the Arizona Cardinals, who had the Houston Texans pick. The Arizona Cardinals collect, uh, picked Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Pick seven was the Las Vegas Raiders. They decided to pick Tyree Wilson. This was a great pick. Edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Pick nine, obviously. Um, sorry, pick eight was the Atlanta Falcons. They selected B. John Robinson. And then we know the rest in the top 10. So I'm not going to go into any other details more than that. But sitting here as an Eagles fan, I was like, wow, we've strengthened the position of need. We lost defensive lineman Jonathan um, um, Hargrave to um, free agency. He signed, signed with the San Francisco 49ers, a big deal. We lost him. Fletcher Cox is getting old. And I thought, well, we need to fill the defensive lineman. I had projected Kalijah Kansi at pick 14 in um, in the in last week's mock draft that I did with the Camper Report. Check it out because it's still very interesting and very informative. We had a lot of information on all the players. So sitting at pick 30, I thought, well, who will the Eagles be able to select? Because there was receivers going off the board. There was This was one of the harder ones that I couldn't really grasp. I knew I really had a strong feeling we were going either offensive lineman or defensive lineman in the first pick, first pick. With the second pick, it was just depending on who all went off the board. And I know that's sort of an oxymoron statement, but ultimately – 
there really, really wasn't a whole lot of clarity on who the Eagles were picking. Some people had us picking a defensive back like Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. Some people had us getting a edge rusher like B.J. Ojolari, um, from, um, edge rusher from LSU. Some people had us getting a defensive tackle like Brian Brissy out of Clemson. So you just really didn't know. Well, pick 30th runs around, and somehow the way the draft went, you had a lot of receivers go. You had three – Um, you had one, two, three – you had four receivers go in the first round. And, um, well, yeah, four receivers go in the first round. You had loads of offensive linemen go in the first round, three or four offensive linemen. And so all of a sudden sitting here was edge rusher Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia, baby. And, of course, when this rolled around, I thought, you know, I, I had initially projected a month ago that the Eagles would probably trade out of their 38th pick. Um, I thought, you know what, they're probably going to get more of a bang for a buck. Maybe they can pick up a second round pick in next year or this year's draft, similar to how the Ravens traded when they tried to, when they traded um, the year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They traded for Lamar Jackson. They gave the Eagles a second round pick the following year. Maybe that will happen. The Eagles sort of select stockpile some picks. They'll need them because they signed Jalen Hurst to this massive contract. So when pick 30 rolled around and Nolan Smith was available, I was like, look, at this point, I don't care. You cannot trade out of the first round. You are getting a player who is arguably some people had going within the top 10. I wasn't that high on him, but I had him going before pick 17. And um, and so all, all of a sudden, Nolan Smith is available. The Eagles select him. And I was, I was, I was going crazy. I was like, this draft could not have gone better. And apparently the Eagles had loads of people calling them, whether it was for Nolan Smith or someone else, but they want loads of teams wanted to get back into the first round, and the Eagles denied them and picked Nolan Smith. So then after that, we are in the second round, day two, and I was like, well, who are the Eagles going to pick? Well, assuming that Carter stays out of trouble, the Eagles could have gotten the best, biggest steal in him. Now, of course, there's some legal issues that hopefully none more will surface where he will not get into any trouble. But I think the Eagles truly believe with the Carter pick that their locker room is strong enough to be able to, you know, keep Jalen Carter in it, maturing in the right way, growing in the right way. And I think it's a good situation and a good team for him to fall to. So in the second round, the Eagles traded out of the second round, collected some picks, traded and picked Tyler Steen, offensive tackle from Alabama. Now, of course, he was addressed as a guard. He's really not a guard. He's pl- spent time playing left tackle and right tackle. I do believe the Eagles are probably going to cross-train him. They cross-train pretty much every single one of their offensive linemen. Most of their offensive linemen could at least play two positions or three, whether it's guard and tackle, whether it's guard and center, or whether it's tackle, whether some tackles can play both sides of the line. Um, and so this was a good pick. You know, it wasn't a flashy pick. There were some players that were ahead of that, you know, that the Eagles could have taken. But ultimately, there were some players like Brian Branch, who the Detroit Lions had just picked. The, he wasn't available. I think really at this point, the Eagles probably would have stayed in the second round if they would have had the opportunity to pick a player that they wanted. But they traded back and they picked, picked, picked style, Tyler Steen. The very next pick, they selected safety Sidney Brown from Illinois. This was probably not as high of a um, pick on a lot of people's draft boards, but a lot of Eagles fans actually had been scouting um, Sidney Brown and had were really high on him. So they picked Sidney Brown. He is now all of a sudden going to compete with a, a, a slew of players for that second star safety spot. So assuming um, Tremaine, um, Terrell Edmonds, the safety from the Steelers that they signed in free agency, assuming he's got one of the safety spots locked down, you've got Reed Blankenship, now Sidney Brown, you've got potentially Josh Joby. Um, I'm going to get to the Kali Ringo pick. 
um, in a minute, but you've got a, at least two to four players vying for that safety open safety spot. And I think it's a healthy competition and I'm excited. So finally, the Eagles rounded out day three by trading up big time. They, they were so high that they traded up to select Kelly Ringo in the first fourth round cornerback from Georgia, baby. So this is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So at this point, the Eagles have selected three Georgia Bulldogs in the, this year's draft and two in last year's draft. Initially, I had Ringo at late first round, early second round. Towards the as the draft got nearer, after seeing various reports, various um, analysis on Ringo's play, I had him going more to mid to late second round. But to get him in the early part of the fourth round was an absolute steal. The Eagles got a guy who can train under Bradbury and Slay. At the end of those guys' tenures, whether that's three years, whether that's sooner. Kali Ringo could slot in there or he could transition to safety, which some people believe because of his speed, he may do. So great draft. You get Ringo, you get Carter and you get Nolan Smith. All of these guys are from a historic defensive um, team from the, uh, from the uh, university of Georgia, their historic run run. And yeah, really, really exciting. So later on in day four, all of a sudden the Eagles, I noticed see a trade and all of a sudden it's for, Ex-Georgia running back, DeAndre Swift, now for the Detroit Lions. Six Georgia players now in the two years make their way to the Eagles roster. The Eagles send a 2023, um, four, 2025 fourth-round pick, a 2023 seventh-round pick in exchange for running back DeAndre Swift and a 2023 seventh-round pick. So ultimately, the Eagles swapped seventh-round seventh round picks with the Detroit Lions in exchange for DeAndre Swift and a 2025 fourth-round pick. Now, DeAndre Swift has battled injuries over the last couple of years. I think it's frustrated the Lions because it definitely has affected them at time. But when he's healthy, this running back, like Rashad Penny, is electric and is a very, very good running back. So now all of a sudden, the Eagles running back room comprises of Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, and DeAndre Swift. That is a really, really good group of guys. Um, very, very excited to see how this team you know, uses them and deploys them on Sundays. Now, the best part about this whole thing was a report that I saw that says, look, right now, um, DeAndre Swift is on his last De- um, year of his deal so he's a free agent in 2024 but if he signs with another team now assuming the eagles he has a good season with the eagles which is likely because the eagles tend to really produce good running backs as far as from their system whether their people think they're good or not if he has a good year in 2024 and he signs with the team there is a real chance that the eagles would get their fourth round pick back if Sweet Swift leaves next year via a compensatory pick in 2025. So ultimately, there's a real chance that the Eagles get DeAndre Swift for essentially swapping seventh round picks and really, really essentially for free. So that was an amazing pick. And rounding off this topic, I just want to say that in my time as an Eagle, I have not seen a better draft. I think Howie Roseman has absolutely redeemed himself after the miss on the Justin Jefferson pick, which mind you, a lot of teams also missed on. But after redeeming himself against Justin and, again, and not picking Justin Jefferson, here's how he has gone on to have some really, really good drafts. And I ate my words. So um, looking at Benjamin Camperman's um, uh, comment from the Camper Report, he says, I think the Eagles should be banned from drafting Georgia player, player, players. And I agree. I think that <laughs> I think that they should keep drafting. Um, 
um, drafting Georgia players. And I agree with the statement that they are now the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Bulldogs and Benjamin I meant to say I disagree with your statement because I like Georgia as a university not because I'm a fan but because they produce great players and I was ecstatic on how this draft went so moving on into topic number two NFC draft winners and losers so of course the first team I'm going to focus on is the Seattle Seahawks I really thought the Seattle Seahawks had an excellent first round um, of their draft. So Seattle used their fifth overall pick. Now, mind you, the Seattle Seahawks made the playoffs. They got this fifth overall pick because last year when the Seattle Seahawks sent De- um, Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos in the trade, Denver Broncos gave him this year's first round pick. So the Seattle Seahawks used the fifth overall pick to take the best cornerback in the draft in Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Now, here's the deal. They had Jalen Carter. They had Ty- um, Tyree Wilson. They had maybe some other players you could think of. Those were the two players really on my draft board. I'm not surprised they passed on Tyree Wilson. I think that they really could have gone Tyree Wilson here and no one would have batted and I no one would have complained. But they had an opportunity to to pair the best cornerback in the draft with a budding star in Tariq Woolen. And now all of a sudden, that's a really scary defensive back duo. So I don't dislike this pick. It's high for a defensive back, but look what... Um, Gardner Johnson did. Um, no, sorry, look what Sauce um, Gardner did for the New York Jets last year. So a, a defensive back can be very, 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 very influential, especially if, um, if the um, if your defensive line is playing well. Then they had an opportunity, so they picked. They followed up drafting the best wide receiver in the draft in Jackson Jigba Smith. They got him somehow with pick twenty. I don't know how it's possible. I'm going to address this in just a minute. The fact that they were able to get the best wide receiver who I had initially mocked to go ninth overall in the draft. Now, look, I'm not saying Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba went, you know, what's the best wide receiver we've seen in a decade? No, I'm saying he's the best wide receiver in this year's draft. And the fact that he got him with pick 20 to pair with an already wide receiver, loaded wide receiver room with wide receiver DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that is a trio that is going to be legendary. Then you've got Kenneth. Um, then you've got the running back that they have um, from. I'm, I'm looking at now. They drafted in the second round um, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA um, and Kenneth Walker. So now the Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, those three receivers, a good, decent, a, a growing, a better offensive lineman. That's this is a really watch out for this offense this year, guys. This is an offense that played well last year, but I think could really, really go off this year. They could have gone defensive line, as I said in the first round, because obviously they had opportunities at that pick to pick Nolan Smith, to pick um, to pick uh, uh, Brian Bersie, um Will McDonald, uh, not Will McDonald, but Nolan Smith and Brian Bersie are the first two that come to my mind. But they elected to go with defense alignment and edge later in the draft, which they did fill. So um, ultimately, this was a really, really good draft by the CLC Hawks. Moving on to number wide receiver um, winner number two, I'm not going to focus on them. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think arguably they probably had the best draft in the NFL this year. Um, I could, you know, I, like as I already said, they drafted arguably the best player in the draft in Jalen Carter, defense alignment out of Georgia. Then they somehow had Nolan Smith. Edge out of Georgia fall to them, who they drafted with a 30th pick. I had predicted, like I said, a lot of people had predicted him to go in the top 15 picks. They followed up the first round with two third-round picks, which provided depth and a safety, and obviously included in that depth was a safety who I believe could compete with the starting role in Sydney Brown from Illinois. 
Moving on to the losers of the NFL draft on the NFC side, I have a sort of out of, you know, sort of an unconventional take, the Detroit Lions. So here's the deal. The Detroit Lions fought a day one's disaster of a pick, in my opinion, with better pick. So I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying before everyone tries to, you know, tries to attack me for this pick. The Detroit Lions traded out of their sixth overall pick, acquired from the Los Angeles Rams in the Matthew Stafford trade. They ended up selecting, they traded with the Arizona Cardinals, who were holding the Houston Texans pick at pick 12. They traded with the Arizona Cardinals to pick, select, Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama. Now, here's the deal. Jameer Gibbs was being projected later on in the first round, early second round, and they picked him with the 12th overall pick. They had a slew of pass rushers, cornerbacks, defense alignment, offense alignment, which they weren't going to pick probably. But they had, let's put it this way, receivers. After the after the Williams suspension that we talked about in the draft, the, the Camper Report and I talked about in the draft, after his suspension of six games, they have a needed wide receiver. They don't have a direct receiver um, in to compete with that second receiver's position. And so now I thought, you know, Jigba Smith was available at pick 12. Zay Flowers was available at pick 12. They elected to go Jameer Gibbs. I don't think this was a good pick. I'm, I think Gibbs is an exceptional, talented lead, exceptionally talented player, but not to pick with a second pick. Then they followed up that with the 18th pick. Again, a slew of pass rushers available still. All the wide receivers on the board still. Cornerbacks still on the board. And they picked Jack Campbell from Iowa. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a physical linebacker. He's a good linebacker. He was someone who I projected, who I had thought would go later in the first round, early second round, similar to Jameer Gibbs. But with the 18th pick, I feel like if they really wanted Jack Campbell, you trade with someone like maybe someone like the Jaguars, maybe someone like the um, the Seattle Seahawks, maybe someone like the Giants or the Minnesota Vikings. This was a pick that I feel like you at least had to have some interest, right? No, they pick ultimately a guy I believe is not was not worthy of a first-round pick. And it's not a knock to Jack Campbell. It's just that there was other talent that I believe they should have prioritized. Now... They did follow up with picking Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama in the second round, who slid, I thought, farther than he should have. And then they followed him in the third round, drafting Hendon Hooker, QB, out of Tennessee. Now, both of those were really good picks because Hendon Hooker ultimately will just be a great backup to Jared Goff, or he could eventually take the position, take the um, the quarterback role from Jared Goff if Jared Goff struggles. And what's even more interesting is I believe this guy potentially could have been the second overall quarterback picked had he not been hurt. Maybe maybe after CJ Stroud, but definitely ahead of Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, and ahead of Will Levis. So personally, I think these were good picks, but that first round could have been legendary. And I feel like the, DeAndre, the, the Detroit Lions really squandered an opportunity to nail. They had four picks in the first three rounds. No, sorry. They had five picks in the first three rounds um, and maybe more. And they failed to pick. You know, they got Sam Laporte at the tight end out of, you know, a tight end. I, that was a decent pick. But, like, I still just feel, felt like they failed in the first round to make a big di um, difference for their team. And ultimately, it may end up costing them. So moving on to topic number three, the AFC draft winners and losers. I would say your first winner has got to be the Houston Texans. So, of course, there was a lot of chatter leading up to the draft about how C.J. Stroud didn't pass the cognitive test with flying colors. He struggled. He is the quarterback out of Ohio State. The Texans held true to their grounds. They held true to a lot of mock drafts. The Texans end up picking the second-best quarterback in the draft in um, in 
um, from Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. Then they did what shocked a lot of players. There's I mean, a lot of teams. There's been only like two teams in 40 years that have picked back-to-back with the second and third pick. And they traded with the Arizona Cardinals to move up from pick 12 to pick number three. Now, they did give the Arizona Cardinals one of their first-round picks next year. So Arizona ultimately, if this Kyler Murray experiment doesn't work and the front office gives Jonathan Gannon the ability to bring in competition, the Arizona Cardinals now have draft capital to be able to make a move for a quarterback next year if they decide to do so. So this is a good move for the Cardinals. And ultimately, the Cardinals had the opportunity to pick still some good edge rushers. They got a guy with um with in Paris Johnson, as I discussed. But with the third overall pick in the NFL draft, the Houston Texans selected Will Anderson Ed, Jr., edge rusher out of Alabama. And arguably, he was one of the best edge rushers, if considered also one of the best defenders in the draft. This was a really good pick. So all of a sudden, the, the Houston Texans went from not having really a mainstay on defense and offense to having a quarterback and an edge rusher. And that's going to go a long way with the with the um, development of Bryce Young, um, with, um, with the development of C.J. Stroud. This defense hopefully will be better. And yeah, I think it was a really, really good pick. Winner number two has to be the Indianapolis Colts. So with both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud gone, the Colts had a couple options. Wait until next year, which I, I really didn't think they would do for a quarterback. Wait until next year for a quarterback. Or select Will Levis. A lot of people had Will Levis projected to the Colts. I did not like Will Levis. I haven't been a fan of him. I felt like, you know, he had intangibles that were there, but I felt like Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida, had a much bigger ceiling, and that's why they should pick him. Well, they ended up going Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick. You know, as I stated in my weekly news reports on Sunday, Shane Steichen does has if does have his work cut out for him to develop Richardson into a into a Amazing quarterback. However, if anyone could do it, it's him. I believe, firmly believe, Shane Steichen is a large reason why Jalen Hurts was able to take a leap in year two as a starter. And um, yeah, I think Steichen's going to bring the best out of Richardson. They followed up the Richardson pick with picking wide receiver Josh Downs out of North Carolina in the third round, which I thought was a steal of a pick. And they're now pairing him with Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor it's look if anybody is going to surround a team with a good amount of players Michael Pittman Jonathan Taylor and Josh Downs to surround your young quarterback it's a really really good situation for Josh uh, for Richardson to fall um fall into now of course the O-line had issues last year we'll see how that you know what happens with that and whether the O-line is able to improve this year but ultimately this is a really really good pick if you're the Indianapolis Colts and it's a really good draft moving on to I wouldn't quite say a loser but disappointing is the Tennessee Titans. This is also a bold take because let me first start by saying that the Titans could be winners if these picks do end up becoming really, really good players. Now, again, that is sort of an oxymoron statement because if any players, teams, players pick um, pan out, then they're winners, right? But the Titans pick kicked off day one by drafting Peter Skaronsky, offensive lineman out of Northwestern. This was, in my opinion, a very good pick. They picked him with the 11th overall pick. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a really really good pick. You know, it depends on where he settles into. He's really an offensive guard. I thought for 11th pick, it's sort of a high pick, but you know other teams were going to pick him right after them. So it wasn't like they took a flyer on a lineman in the first round. 
Skaronski's going to be a day one starter, whether it's left tackle or guard, fill in for Taylor Lewan or fill in or just be or or and really what a lot of people said is they got left tackle Andre Dillard. He was a free agent. He played for the um Eagles. He didn't get a whole lot of playing time. They got they picked up and they signed Andre Dillard left tackle this year in free agency. So now all of a sudden you have Andre Dillard and Skaronski that could really sure up your left side of the line and hopefully help protect your quarterback. However, this is my opinion. That was not a bad pick. However, the Titans followed up by trade by trading up in the second round to select quarterback Will Levis out of Kentucky. And a lot of people didn't mind this pick. A lot of people thought this is a good pick. I think this was not a good pick. And here's why. In the third round last year, they p- picked out of Liberty Malik Willis. I thought they gave up way too early on Malik Willis. I know that Ryan Tannehill may not be your quarterback, but why are you giving up on a third round pick who I thought and a lot of people mocked to go in the first round last year? Now, I don't think he's the most talented quarterback, but I just don't know if there's a big enough talent difference between Will Levis and Malik Willis. And I know that's a bold take, but I really think that Malik Willis could end up becoming a good quarterback in this league. And I did not like the um, Levis pick because ultimately, if he pans out, I'm going to eat my words. But their strategy, in my opinion, should have been to add as many weapons around on both sides of the ball while keeping Tannehill as the quarterback for one more year. The next year you have a decision. Do you roll with Willis? Because, like, do you bench Tannehill for the last six games? Do you roll with Willis? Or do you pick a guy like Caleb Williams out of USC if you end up getting a good pick next year? And so I wouldn't call them losers on the AFC side of the ball, but definitely a disappointing um, a disappointing. Uh, a day two pick, especially for the Tennessee Titans. So now I'm segueing into topic number four, which we I have absolutely beat to death over the last mo- two months is the Lamar Jackson contract update. So it was funny. <laughs> Someone told me, if you had told me two weeks ago, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be an improved team right there are an improved team right now i'm looking with a backup quarterback no true wide receiver one and a team that sort of looked in shambles because lamar jackson was not happy it took a complete 180 turn on thursday it was announced on thursday afternoon that the lamar that the baltimore ravens had signed quarterback lamar jackson to a five-year 260 million dollar contract with $185 million guaranteed and an average annual salary of $52 million. Now, if you guys remember, the Jalen Hurts contract eclipsed $51 million a year. Jackson will earn a base salary of $32,416,000 while carrying a cap hit of the same amount of money in 2023. However, he will earn on average $52 million a year, which edges out Jalen, contract, Jalen Hurts' contract and makes Lamar Jackson the Highest paid player in the NFL, in NFL history for that matter, yearly, per per yearly, not highest paid guaranteed. He only got $185 million guaranteed, which I know a lot of people were thinking he wanted a fully guaranteed contract. Maybe he ended up um, compromising, but either way, it started looking uphill, and then it got even better. They picked Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College, with their first all, first pick in the draft. And I thought this was a really good pick because ultimately, Lamar Jackson, it looked like, approached the... Ravens organization said, look, if you go get DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham, I'll stay. And I thought it was a little bit of a diva move for him to say that, but he had a reason. Their offense wasn't good. They didn't prioritize it last year. They did, you know, he's their franchise quarterback. They weren't building around him. Yeah, they missed on a lot of picks 
And so I think Lamar Jackson had a reason to be upset, whether he had a reason to actually play the role of a diva and be like, get these players or I'm leaving. I'm not going to get into that right now. But they signed out Zay Flowers, and now they have they drafted Zay Flowers, and they signed Odell Beckham. So now all of a sudden you have J.K. Dobbins, Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, and Mark Andrews, and that's a really good offense all of a sudden. So assuming that Lamar Jackson can finish off seasons, which is the reason why I was against signing him to a contract, and I know I was one of a few people, is because I just don't believe he's been healthy enough to justify paying him this much money. However, the Ravens now have some clarity on the on the contract situation, and they can move forward with him and him as their guy um, for at least the next you know three to five years. So that's a really quick update on what has been a really hectic offseason for the Ravens. Took a real turn on Thursday and ended up being a good draft for them. So it's really exciting. And segueing into another quarterback controversy is topic number five, the Aaron Rodgers trade. So, of course, I've been talking about this also for the last two months. Is Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? When is he going to go? Then we got some clarity um, around the time of the combine that the New York Jets had sort of put an offer in or were working with the Packers to um, to to be able to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Then Aaron Rodgers had sort of told the Jets, look, if you even want me to want to go there, because remember, he had, I believe he had a no trade clause. If you even want me to go there, you've got to go out and you've got to get a few players. One of the guys in particular was Adam Lazard. The New York Jets went out and they got Adam Lazard, which is one of Rogers' favorite targets, to pair with Garrett Williams and Brees Hall. So the it was announced earlier on Monday of last week that the Packers would be receiving a 2023 first-round pick, the number 13 overall, a 2023 second-rounder, number 42, a 2023 sixth-rounder, number 207, and a conditional 2024 second-rounder that could become a first. The Jets received Aaron Rodgers, a first-round pick, the number 15th overall, and a 2023 fifth-rounder, number 170. So, ultimately, the Jets basically sent them a first-round pick next year, assuming that Aaron Rodgers plays 60% of the snaps, which is highly likely, and they sent um, a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick in exchange for a fifth-round pick and Aaron Rodgers, and, and they swapped, swapped, um, they swapped picks in the first round this year. Now, as I've said many times, Aaron Rodgers now provides the Jets with a serious chance to compete in the AFC East. And I think the Jets can give the Buffalo Bills a run for their money. This is a team that has now Garrett Williams, um, Garrett Wilson, sorry, Brees Hall, Garrett Williams out of receiver, running back Brees Hall, wide receiver Adam Lazard. On the defense, you've got defense lineman Quinn, Quinn and Williams, linebacker C.J. Mosley, safety Jamal Adams. This is a team that seriously has some mainstays and has some really, really good players that could end up giving the um, NFC East a run for their money. I, I don't really think the Dolphins have everything figured out in the NFC East. The Bills, it's a toss-up whether or not they're going to continue to be able to be good. Yes, they had a good draft. They got Delta and Kincaid, the tight end. Um, out of um, They got him in the first round. He'll pair nicely for um, Josh Allen. But I really think, as I've said, that the Jets are going to make a push for the NFC East crown. And ultimately, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. But Aaron Rodgers has got to be considered up there with those quarterbacks if he can put together and utilize the talent around him. So moving into an NBA segment of this podcast, really excited to get into topic six and seven here. With topic six, I'm going to focus on the NBA Eastern Conference playoffs update. So I, I held off. That's why I was a little bit late to the show. I held off for as long as possible um, 
to see the finale of the Philadelphia 76ers Boston Celtics game. Oh my gosh, guys. This was an insane game. So it was announced earlier on today that star center Joel Embiid for the 76ers would not be playing this game because he's still batting, battling an LCL injury that he suffered in game three of the of the um, New York, uh, the Brooklyn Nets game in the first round of the series. He missed over a week of practice, including game four of the NBA first round of the playoffs. He, so he missed this game. Going into this, I told my coworker earlier on today, I said, look, if they can at least keep it competitive, then I will be hopeful that if he comes back, they can make they can win they can win this series. And I had initially, if you looked at my weekly news report, I had the 76ers winning four to three in, in a series if Embiid was healthy enough to dominate for the 76ers. So when I found out Embiid's not playing tonight, I thought, you know what? I've come to peace with the fact that there's a real chance that the Celtics are gonna win this game and potentially win the series and blow the Sixers out potentially in game one. However, none of that happened. The 76ers kept it close. They were down by, you know, as many as, I believe, 12 points at one point, um, eight points. It, it kept swinging back and forth, but they stayed around. And I was never impressed with the way the Celtics couldn't finish games against the Atlanta Hawks in round one. And so because of this, I had the Celtics winning. I mean, the 76ers winning 4-3 to three in the series. However, the 76ers tonight beat the Celtics in the Celtics stadium 119 to 115 behind James Harden's full monster 45 point game. Now, of course, Jalen, um, Jason Tatum led the Celtics with 39 points, had a really good game of his own, but Harden went off tonight. He was aided by good performances from a lot of his um, teammates. And um, yeah, ultimately, you know, Skip Bayless said it well the Boston Celtics lost to the Paul Reed 76ers out of the mud, Paul Reed. I love that player. He filled in really well as a center in Embiid's absence. And I'm really, really excited that um, that we were able to pull out game one. And ultimately, it's going to be very exciting to see how do the um, Celtics respond at home in game two? And can they pull this game out? You know, if the Sixers are able to go back with a 2-0 lead, potentially finishing off the series at home, that would be incredible. I don't think that's going to happen, but if they can go back with a 1-1 series lead and take a 3-1 lead if they were able to win both home games, this bodes well for them moving on. So moving on to the second set of playoff games in the Eastern Conference, you've got the New York Knicks versus the Miami Heat. So I have the Miami Heat winning this series 4-2 against the Knicks. Um, this is really partially in because of the absolute, you know, as I said in the weekly news sports report, Jimmy Butler is on an absolute tear for the Miami Heat. And I really think that's one of the reasons why they're going to pull this series out. Now, the Heat currently lead the series 1-0 to after defeating the Knicks yesterday, 108-101 to away. So they, they defeated the Knicks in the Knicks stadium, 108-101. to This was largely in part because the New York Knicks were missing their leading scorer and rebounder, Julius Randle, who is nursing an aggravated ankle injury that he suffered before the playoffs started. Now, he was able to play in the first round a few games. However, his status for game two and beyond is unclear because we just don't know how healthy he is. So, you know, can the Knicks pull off yet another upset with this time with home court advantage? I think there's a possibility they could, 
but the Heat are playing really, really good basketball at the right time. And ultimately, it would be very exciting to see a Heat if the 76ers are able to pull out. Heat 76ers Eastern Conference Finals. And who would have thought that the 76ers would be able to get home field advantage? So this, it's in the 76ers' best interest right now to, you know, obviously it's always in their best interest to win in the playoffs. But they've got a really, really crucial time where they can actually hold host in the Eastern Conference Finals if they are able to get um, um, the, the win against the Celtics. And, of course, the Heat, you know, have an opportunity to knock yet another team out of the playoffs after they dismantled the the first seed Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. So, moving on to my final topic of the show is a Western Conference playoffs update. Now, the Western Conference finals are now set. Semifinals are now set. The Denver Nuggets will be playing the Phoenix Suns. Denver actually won at home on Saturday against the Phoenix Suns, 125 to 107. I have the Denver Nuggets winning this series four to two. Now, if you guys do remember, the Nuggets were absolutely embarrassed by the Phoenix Sun in the 2021 conference semifinals. So it's a rematch in 2021, four to nil. So they swept them. The, the Nuggets were swept by the Phoenix Suns on the Phoenix Suns' route to the NBA Finals, where they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. And the, the real thing is, I really think the Nuggets get revenge here. Um, I think that, you know, I think the Nuggets are definitely a favorite to represent the NBA in the in the final, NBA in the Western Conference Finals. And um, one interesting stat that I found out tonight was, Jokic has only led the team. Nikola Jokic, the star center, who is an MVP frontrunner, has only led the team, the Denver Nuggets, once in the playoffs in scoring. And that was actually in a loss. So Jamal Murray has obviously played really, really well for the Denver Nuggets. And this is a very, very interesting situation because Jokic has not led this team. So now, I, you know, it's because Jokic is facilitating. He's passing the ball well. He's a good passer. He's a good facilitator. But that's really, really impressive. And it's good news for the Nuggets, who means which means that they don't have to rely on him to have the highest amount of points scored for their team to win the game. Moving on to the final subtopic in this topic is the Golden State Warriors matchup versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, this I could see this round going either way, this series going either way. The Warriors did take the Sacramento Kings to seven-game series in the Sacramento, which was the finale was in Sacramento. And, you know, I, I said this before a couple of weeks ago that I believe the Warriors-Sacramento Kings would be one of the highest-scoring series in the tournament. It was. It was electric. There was back and forth games. You know, obviously it was by nature. They beat them in seven games. It was definitely back and forth. I think that the Warriors are going to beat the Lakers 4-3 in this series. However, I also could see this get rolling either way. Um, I firmly believe that, you know, obviously as I stated in my weekly news report, I think it's a really possibility the Warriors play the Nuggets in the semi um, East, in the Western Conference Finals. And I really think that because these Warriors can put up so many points, I think it's going to be very difficult for, for any team to stop this team um, in the Western Conference. Um, and really in the NBA, for that matter, Steph Curry is doing things that, you know, no, we really have not seen. He's just a phenomenal player, even at his age. Um, and so, yeah, I have the, the, the Warriors beating the Lakers here. And I know it's you know maybe an unconventional take, but ultimately I really think that the Warriors are going to be able to pull this series out, and um, it remains to be seen. Um, like I said, game um, games two um, is um, 
commit starts tomorrow. But the the Warriors, because they just beat the Kings yesterday, their game one does not start until tomorrow. So you know, to um, the game two for the Heat and game two for the Nuggets kicks off tomorrow, and game one for the the Golden State Warriors kicks off tomorrow as well. So. This is the end of the show. It's been a really, really fun 45 minutes discussing with you guys anything from the NFL draft to the NBA playoffs. I want to say thank you all to everyone who has supported my show thus far. Um, as I stated, this has been a really, really fun episode. Um, you know, I can't say it enough. I'm ecstatic as a Philadelphia fan right now, especially tonight after tonight's win against the um, Boston Celtics, who we had not beat for, I believe, 40 years in the playoffs in their own stadium. So that was a, you know, that was really, really fun. I was very, very excited to be able to do that. And um, ultimately it's going to be a really, really exciting remainder of the playoffs. So without further ado, thank you so much again for all your guys' support. And it is your host, Joseph Camperman from the Long John Podcast. Again, you can find this podcast airing tomorrow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or you can get it on YouTube instantly. Um, it will be out as soon as this um, podcast as soon as this broadcast is over. So again, it's your host Joseph Camperman from the Long John Podcast. Signing off. Until next time.